0: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Captain Frank Umbrino is the head guy at the Rochester Police Department. He held a a press conference uh, not long ago talking about the mass shooting. There was a I believe it was a house party or a, a barbecue, a backyard barbecue that was shot up by a bunch of people, couple dead, many injured, etc and he held a press conference about it and boy did he hold forth. We're gonna play play a longish clip a little bit. Uh, discuss and then uh, play another clip but he does such a beautiful job of laying out the enormous hypocrisy slash paradox slash stupidity that is so much of uh of progressive politics right now uh we're gonna play fifty first sean
2: now what's basically your reaction to this uh this violence that's been happening in the this- Uh, I'm disgusted I'm disgusted you know 90 percent of the residents in this community are good hard-working people and you know I feel terrible for them that the decisions of a few bad people are having the impact that it is right now you know what are the answers moving forward you know I, I have my ideas I've been on the job for almost 30 years now What I can tell you is that I'm not surprised by the violence that's been taking place. You know, and I'm gonna get in trouble probably for this, um, but if I hear one more politician talk about you know what we need to do to stop the violence, we need more gun laws, we need this, we need that, quite frankly, I'm gonna vomit. Um, These people that say that have no idea what they're talking about. We have a lot of gun laws currently on the books that we do not enforce. I shouldn't say we don't enforce, we enforce them, but you have individuals getting locked up for illegal handguns and being released from custody the next day. That's disgusting. How does that happen? So if anybody is surprised that there's been an uptick in violence since we don't enforce the current gun laws that we have, I don't know what to tell you, but those are the facts. These politicians that want to say we need more gun laws, we need this, we need that, Do me a favor, just stop talking, because you really don't know what you're talking about. Come and ask anybody that that lives in these neighborhoods. I've had conversations over the last three weeks with dozens of people that live on these neighborhoods, that live on Bernard Street, that live on Pennsylvania Avenue. They don't believe any of the stuff you're saying. There, There needs to be accountability. I'll equate it to this. If you're speeding and you get pulled over by the police and it's a $5 fine, do you really care if you get pulled over speeding probably not right you need to get to where you need to get to so if you're an individual who has an illegal handgun or you're thinking about carrying an illegal handgun and you know that you get stopped and arrested with that handgun and you're gonna get out of the nail out of jail the next day do you care if you get caught
1: he really completes the argument in Clip 52. It's fairly short. Go ahead and hit that.
2: So the bail reform that you know, the government in, that plays a major part in uptick in crime? A bail reform, in, in my opinion, as a 30-year veteran in law enforcement and working in the city of Rochester for the last 30 years, bail reform has a significant impact on the amount of crime and the uptick in crime that's been occurring uh, in our community and throughout New York State. Look at the numbers. They sent the numbers out not long ago. I don't hear a lot about it in the media, but the numbers are are terrible. And anybody that says that bail reform is not part of the blame in that, again, you're fooling yourself. And and please stop. So tell us what's
0: going on with the bail thing. That's a big deal in California and New York and a variety right. of places where they're trying something new. And it doesn't seem to be working from the law enforcement point of view. No
1: cash bail. If the judge says you're especially dangerous, we're going to keep you, they keep you. If the judge says, no, nah, we're going to let him go. You got to show up for your trial, all right? Yeah, yeah, I'll show up. They let him go without any bail, any cash bail, which is anybody in the justice system who knows what they're talking about will tell you is people show up for trial so they or their family or the bail bondsman doesn't get stuck with the bill because then it gets nasty. And then, you know, uh, your family's really mad at you or you've lost your money or your bail bondsman comes hunting you down or whatever. So... But very briefly, just to keep this simple, what he's saying is you got Democrat politicians constantly yelling for more gun laws. People break the gun laws. Violent, bad people break the gun laws. The Democrats insist that we let them out and end the school to prison pipeline or We want to outlaw prisons. We want to take down prisons. Black Lives Matter is all about that. We want to end prisons. And then you institute these bail reforms where you can't even hold them pre-trial as a violent gun-wielding felon. And these are all policies pushed by the Democrats. Hmm. So you are howling for more gun laws that you then howl must not be enforced. What the hell?
0: That is confusing. Those two things can't happen at the same time. And... You can't have the uh, no-cash bail, letting people out, and do more gun laws.
1: And, by far, the vast, vast, vast majority of victims of gun violence are poor minority Americans who vote Democrat every damn time. And as uh, our our friend uh, the captain there pointed out, I'm not hearing this in the media a lot. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it is a hell of an asset, Republicans, to own the media. Don't you wish? It's (laughs) it's really handy that the left owns the friggin' media.
0: The perfect thing right now would be some transition music.
1: John DeBerry is a member of the Tennessee House of Representatives. He is a black man. He is almost 70 years old. He has seen real racism in his time, no doubt. Uh, he made a speech the other day at the Tennessee House of Representatives. It's gotten a lot of, ed, uh, a lot of uh, attention. Uh, you know, that, that reminds me, we should replay that Van Jones clip uh, mm-hmm. from earlier, a bit later on, uh, as he said something very sensible. But um, rather than steal his thunder, here is uh, here are the wise words of one John DeBerry. Uh,
3: in the middle of what has been referenced to on several occasions the Civil Rights Movement, And, you know, people continue to refer to this, but I saw it. I saw men and women stand with courage and integrity and class, and they changed the world. They changed the world because what the world could see in them was the lie that was being told about them. I am one of those individuals who walked in back doors because the law said I had to. I'm one of those individuals who rode on the back of the bus on the back seats that were not cushioned because the law said I had to. I went to the water and drank colored water because the law said I had to. I went to a school where everybody looked like me and the country was divided and segregated because the law said that I had to. So all of these things we continue to refer to are the things that me and my generation lived. We saw it for ourselves. We're not reading it in the history books but we lived it.
1: And then obviously he he gets to uh, some of what's going on today.
3: When the riots started and folks started burning stuff down, that's when my father took my arm and we left. We left because that was not what we were there for. That was not what Dr. King was there for. That was not what others who are famous in the civil rights days were there for. This was not peaceful. It was not part of our movement and it only hurt everything. My family raised money and sent my dad to Washington for that march. But that man stood there and said that he wanted his children judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all we do in America right now is talk about color. Every issue, every issue is about race, it's about color. Instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice, and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance, Upon us, as we tear ourselves apart internally, they have been watching us for 50 years, preparing step by step by step by step for us to kill our
0: Um, I know you've been trying to get us to play this for a week, Sean. Why have I just heard that? <laughs> that is incredible Uh, can we elect
1: him president for the next 15 years he's a little on in years but that doesn't seem to be stopping anybody else younger than both candidates oh my gosh there there is wisdom it it remains Mm. it's it's shunted off into the corners
0: he's absolutely right on every bit of that oh my gosh what a what a great man well, and he's as frustrated as I am, or you are. I mean, he's like he's he's exasperated. It's like, how can this possibly be happening? The the full speech he did was over ten minutes, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. I only saw kind of like a seven or eight minute version of this, and this is just a couple pieces from from that. Yeah, I know we have a couple more t- pieces, and I'm tempted to play him, but
1: he, like we, I'm sure, feels like we're being dragged away from the 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 just America we've all been trying to build. We're being dragged away from it a hundred miles per hour by these so called, you know, social justice advocates.
0: Well and that stuff there critical at the end critical
1: race garbage and the rest of it.
0: That stuff there at the end about how our enemies uh, around the world, you know, have been working for this for a long time.
1: Right. Right.
0: Uh, so, and, and and stoking still both are. sides, yeah.
1: tearing us apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what was the other thing I was gonna say? Uh, <laughs> Well, I just, I hope voices like his are increasingly heard. Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com.
0: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So Jeff Fowler has a piece in the Washington Post. that's definitely worth a read as it's rather lengthy, but I'll hit you with a couple of highlights. We'll post it. the link at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, Hanson, it's how, Google's, uh, how does Google's monopoly hurt you. Uh, it's excellent. But um, he mentions that Google is obviously a very capable search engine in a lot of ways, uh, but he says without us even realizing it, the Internet's most used website has been getting worse. On too many queries, Google is more interested in making search lucrative than a better product for us. Interesting.
0: Kind of like what would happen with Amazon. I used to be able to search for a product, and now they give me 10 things they want me to buy ahead of what I specifically am trying to find.
1: And or you have to go pages deep to find the good deal. They're going to promote the deal that paid them to promote it. Uh, There's one reason it gets away with this. According to recent congressional investigation, Google is so darn big. But how does Google's alleged monopoly hurt you? Today, 88% of all searches happen on Google.
0: Wow, that's something. Nine out of ten. In part because
1: contracts make it the default on computers and phones, and a lot of people don't go into their settings and change their default. Uh, But whether Google is actually fetching you good information can be hard to see. Um, uh, Google is easy and free. And we don't have a great alternative. And he mentions that Microsoft's rival Bing doesn't have enough data to compete well. I've tried a couple of the Alterna websites, and I've gone back to Google.
0: I have, too, because each time.
1: Because their news function is better, and that's what I'm generally searching on.
0: I guess you couldn't find the New York Post Hunter Biden story very easily on Google if you search Interesting. for Interesting. Interesting.
1: What's in my search engine right now? I
0: think it's Google. and I Well, anyway.
1: Uh, And and he mentions that over the last two decades, Google has made the uh, changes in drips rather than big makeovers, and it's done it very quietly. To see how search results have changed what you'd need is a time machine. Good news. We have one. The Internet Archive's Wayback Machine stored some Google search results over the years. When we look back, a picture emerges of how Google increasingly fails us. Uh, That's an editorial comment. I would agree, but... There's more space dedicated to ads that look just like search results. Mm. More results start with answer snippets if you're, like, asking a question, sometimes incorrect, ripped from other sites. And increasingly, results point you back to Google's own properties, such as Maps, YouTube, et cetera, where they can show you more ads and gather more of your data. Wow. Of course, uh, email, I'm sorry, Google's spokeshole, uh, Lara Levin Says that's incorrect. Uh, what changes is how we organize the information in a way that's more modern and hundreds of thousands of tests each year tell us that people find useful.
0: That's right. <laughs> Everybody loves Google. That when I search for something, the first four things that show up are all mm-hmm. ads?
1: Yeah. So uh, he gives a bunch of examples of varied things. And I'm just going to hit you with two um, and you, you go read it yourself. But number one, just Googling t shirts. You have to now scroll down six times as far. To get to real unpaid links to outside websites. Now, it's not like I got severe carpal tunnel in my left index finger. I am left-handed uh, from scrolling down to get to the real no. T-shirts.
0: I have noticed, though, that I have to scroll farther. Right. And and they
1: do get my attention sometimes with that first three quarters of a page. Um. And so anyway, but it's they are they are absolutely trying to manipulate you as opposed to giving you information that you asked for. Mm-hmm. It's like uh it's like asking some hustler in nineteen seventies Times Square. You know, hey, do you know where I can find a good time? He's not primarily interested in your good time. Well, there's
0: the Broadway. Uh, do you like the theater? Have you have you ever
1: been to the top of the Empire State Building?
0: <laughs> First of all, there's the love of your family.
1: Right, right. That's the best time. Enjoy New York. No, 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 no. No. Your interests are not their interests. But uh, the one thing I want to feature is some... Is, is Jeff, and I love Jeff. He's really a good journalist and a nice guy. But he says, um, uh, da, 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 da. question one, Nevada. Google that. It's a, a ballot initiative that would change how Nevada manages higher education. Um, this search result, you actually won't find now because it was so egregious. Google fixed it last month. Question one is an initiative in November ballot change how Nevada manages higher education. A few weeks ago, Elliot Anderson, a former state lawmaker who helped get question one on the ballot, noticed that Googling question one Nevada generated a box at the top of the results that began vote no on question one. Wow. How on earth did Google results end up telling people how to
0: vote? Well, and how much work is that for Google to go through the gazillion of things that are out there and figure out what their position is on it and then rigged the computer to do that? I mean, how do they get that to automatically happen?
1: You know, A, it would take a while to answer that question, and B, my answer would probably be bad because I have a child's understanding of it um but Is that algorithm? algorithms
0: jack yeah, i would say not as many man hours as you think yeah you it's think it's a computer a of... figures that out they figure out the political position we want and almost all that? assuredly yeah wow that's something and it's
1: not hard to find other examples where google snips strangely or borrows from not so authoritative sources search for how do i check my krispy kreme gift card balance number one if you have a krispy kreme <laughs> gift card give it to somebody else <laughs> you're an adult uh you get information from sites selling gift cards rather than from Krispy Kreme's own site, which has the real answer and a yeah. useful link. There are all sorts of examples of this. It's terrific journalism, and it's at armstrongandgetty.com, mm. or will be within a few
0: minutes. And the way the free market works, if it gets annoying enough, more of us will go to alternate, Alta sites. sites. DuckDuckGo or startpage.com. But they need to get better, though. Yeah, they, they do need, need to get have yeah, got. We, there needs to be a, a close to as good alternative. Google it. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Uh, Quick point of privilege. Quick point Uh, of personal privilege. I can handle things.
3: I'm smart. This is Armstrong and Getty. Pretty damn cool. Hey.
0: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, a reading from the Dispatch, which is a publication I like about politics, and they wanted to remind everybody, since it didn't get a lot of attention, Tuesday brought in another important story, since everybody was talking about impeachment. Equally troubling example of current dysfunction in D.C. when the House revealed and summarily passed an enormous government spending package. Two monstrous bills... 2,300 pages to the tune of $1.4 wow. trillion. Dollars. Wow. Less than 24 hours after lawmakers first got a chance to read it. And it's how long? 2,300 pages? And I got to believe that's twenty. that each page, if you actually were trying to look into it, would require a week. Yeah. And a number of experts. And jammed full of
1: acronyms
0: and, you know, government programs, the uh, NSC33 program. The Senate is expected to matador it through, and Trump is expected to sign it in plenty of time to avoid another government shutdown. The president will likely do this despite his pledge in March of 2018, I remember talking about this at the time, to never sign another bill like the $1.3 trillion omnibus bill that Congress had given him at that time. Remember, he signed and he said, look, this is the last time I'm doing this. No more of this. A giant bill shows up for a gazillion dollars. We don't talk about it and we sign it just so we don't shut down the government. Well, turns out we did do it again.
1: Turns out the only real non-negotiable is Congress gets to take your money by force, then squander it.
0: More from uh, the dispatch on this. You get a wad of cash. You get a wad of cash. Like all good Frankenstein omnibus bills, this package has plenty in it to make anyone mad. For liberals, there's the way it declines to touch the national emergency Trump declared on the U.S.-Mexico border last spring. A measure to restrict Trump's ability to shift money to wall construction from, from funds allocated for other purposes didn't make it into the final bill. So that shows you how cynical and phony the left is oh. in that, well, the wall, the money, the movement, you can't do that. No, didn't didn't matter at all when it came down to we'll let you pass a bunch of stuff you want if you let us keep that in. Oh, okay. If we get to spend recklessly, then yeah, go ahead, move money over to the wall or Mm. uh, make it a national emergency, even though we declared it unconstitutional. And go ahead. If we get to spend whatever we want for conservatives, there's the millions of new funding for federal research on gun violence. The not at all budget related measure to raise the minimum wage to purpose to purchase tobacco from 18 to 21. unless we forget the eye popping price tag that used to be the sort of thing that Republicans cared about. This one was different. Then from the last few years, because they just didn't seem to say no to anything, said Brandon Buck, former counselor to then House Speaker Paul Ryan, and told the dispatch. There were over the last few years all kinds of times when people would come in to ask for some of the very same things that are included in this legislation, and we would just say no because we didn't want it to be loaded up like this. But nobody said no to anything this time around. Wow. So by the standards
1: of, you know, five years ago, we've gone crazy. Yeah. spending
0: By the standard of this can't continue, we're ruining the country, um, uh, it's the biggest threat to our country, according to... Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, by that standard, it's significantly worse. Again, what,
1: what, what can you do but throw up your hands, honestly? Oh, that's don't what bring everybody, people down at Christmas time. Go have fun with your friends. That's eat, what everybody's drink, doing.
0: That's what everybody's doing. Yeah. He also railed against the way the package <laughs> put a tiny group of leadership negotiators in charge of making sweeping changes to federal law and noted that states abandon all principles of federalism for debt-funded pork. So at all levels, the federal government forces the states to do things that they would have in the past fought. But now they say, eh, that's not really cool that you're, you're making the decisions for us here in Alabama or California or wherever, but... If we're going to get all this stuff that you just promised, yeah, go ahead. We used to at least have a fight over it. Now we don't even have a fight. Hell, we don't even have a vote. That's extraordinary.
1: Yep. So the federal government just gets bigger and bigger and more and more powerful and directly takes money away from your local and state government and takes away their power and ability to manage themselves and decide what's
0: best for your state. It's just, it's... It, oh, God dang it. Guy from the Cato Institute <gasps> said, not just entitlement spending, but discretionary spending is also essentially on autopilot. The guy who used to live in OJ's pool house exactly. has his own institute now? He does. Yeah, he does. Congress wow. Congress doesn't scrutinize programs and trim those that are obsolete or lower priority. Congress spends no time pruning the budget, just battling over which programs to increase the most. And then the final conclusion on this... It's hard, From the dispatch, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what led us to this point. The buildup of partisan rancor, raising the opportunity cost of each piece of legislation until must pass bills become the only bills passed. A breakdown of lawmakers' ability to make real compromises. The intoxicating allure of playing with monopoly money. The eagerness to provide campaign-friendly goodies today while postponing payment for them indefinitely. But here's the depressing bottom line. Yes. The the system is broken beyond all reason, and it doesn't appear there's much of a chance of fixing it anytime soon.
1: You know, we have been claiming for a very long time around here, uh, to no good, apparently, to no uh, avail, that the great animating contest of our time should be P, not R versus D, but P versus G, the people versus the government, the interests of the citizens of the country versus the interests of the government, which has now become so enormous, it is its own most powerful lobbyist. Take a moment to contemplate that. But... uh, I just – well, I just – I don't think anybody cares, and I think the main reason is those in government. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and and and, and uh, Kevin McCarthy, believe me when I tell you, they're all in on this. If they can keep y'all pitted against each other over the R versus D thing, you'll never challenge them on what they do. Because you're utterly convinced if we can vanction, uh, uh, vanquish those damn Democrats – and Get power in a house, then it'll be tall clover, man. And it goes back and forth and back and forth, and and they just keep spending more and more and enriching themselves and empowering themselves.
0: So it's like, um, it's like when law breaks down, um, like when people are looting. There, there've been all kinds of studies on this. Um, you might be a law-abiding citizen. Oh, well, looting is bad. You know, the store yeah. owner has a cost, and it's it's against the law, and mothers and we can't do that. But if everybody else is taking stuff, at some point, you say, well nobody's stopping this. Nobody's going to do anything about it. Nobody's going to pay a price for it. I would be stupid at this point not to take a TV just like everybody else is doing.
1: Right. It has become, to use the cliche, the new normal.
0: Yeah. And and that's what is happening in Congress. Even the people who who used to fight and fight and fight are saying, everybody's getting what they want. Nobody's going to stop it anytime soon. And importantly, I will get no credit for resisting it. It won't do any good. I might as well get some for my constituents. Yeah. In fact, in fact, and you can easily make this argument If it's going to be the way it is right now, I'm a bad congressperson if I don't get a chunk from my people. Right. That makes me bad.
1: You could make that argument, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, we don't want to bring people down. Honest to goodness, I really don't. I just, I don't, it will be the doom of this unbelievable experiment in self-government that is the United States of America. It is the only disease that can kill us. And I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot or naive or a, a patriot or all of the above or something. I just can't sit silently as it happens. And if it's off-putting and you want to tune out, I apologize for that.
0: It's uh, it's something, though. Mm-hmm. It is something. No, Man, I'd nobody
1: like to reanimate the Founding Fathers and furnish them machine guns. Or
0: maybe just a soapbox. So speak. you're going to have the... Yeah, how about a Twitter account first? So you're going to have the... <laughs> So you're, yeah. So you're gonna have zombie patriots with yes. machine guns. Yeah, it's kind and of. And where are they gonna shoot? It's kind of a. Uh, I haven't finished the script yet.
1: <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a Walking Dead meets Mr. Smith Goes to Washington idea. I am <laughs>
0: Spielberg is attached. The good news is Nicholas Cage already agreed. The perfect thing right now would be some transition music.
3: perform the Star Spangled Banner is acclaimed singer, songwriter, and
1: 10-time Grammy winner from Chicago, Shaka Khan.
0: Here we go. Always got to like this. How old is Shaka at this point? 75. Really? I I don't know. I have no
3: idea. can you see?
0: 66. Ooh, this is going to take an hour. Twilights, let's be me. Is this going to be the longest national anthem ever? That's all right. And dried stars
1: it's not your faster the
0: perilous perilous fight. The
3: ramparts we
0: watched. some ramparts. We're so
3: gallantly.
0: Streaming. Twitter's going wild over this. That's where we're playing. Rocket, rain, land. Whoa! <laughs> it mess? Anybody hurt? All the, the, the notes. Bombs in air gave proof You're
1: a jazz fan. Is this jazz?
0: Tonight, that our flag. Still Big finish Oh
3: spangled oh. <laughs> Yeah She's still going <laughs> oh,
0: oh boy wow and <laughs>
1: Hey! more. One more round of applause there for Tenniel Arts and
0: Shaka Khan. So, does uh, there anybody that gets? Oh, wow! <laughs> is there anybody that particularly gets credit for uh, uh, deciding that the more notes, the better?
1: Oh, uh, just it's, in music in general, or the national anthem?
0: in general, because it became a thing. What dozen, fifteen years ago? Gosh, I don't know. Christine Aguirre was really big on it. And Mariah Carey, when Mariah, she started oh, doing yeah. her big ranges and the, and she was good at it. it kind of interesting to take the time to go through that national anthem there and figure out how many notes. Because she would do. Oh, individual Ooh.
1: notes. Yeah. I mean, 20 if you per play, word. Oh, who's can you say? So that's, you know, probably 103. How many she did? Yeah. 780.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. And yeah. she's a good singer, obviously, but that's a. Still got it. It's at a age style. 66.
1: Bringing it. It was a little shouty at times, but who am I to criticize?
0: The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them. You can get one at armstrongandgetty.com.
1: This is the best of Armstrong and Getty.
0: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Uh, these two stories clearly go together. Employees do 10, at least 10 non-work-related tasks in the office each day. Wow. Fits in with this other story. More and more companies go into the four-day work week. And it's actually based around the idea that people are screwing off enough that if they stop screwing off, they could get all their work done in four days.
1: Hmm.
0: Four eight hour days, instead and of then they would
1: have that fifth day, presumably to do the things that they are doing at work.
0: Well, do whatever you want at home. Um, but I'm just
1: asking, you how can't do you do how everything
0: do you... at work. You can't uh, probably can't trim your toenails. You could do that at home. I've oh. done that. You have at work? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm looking at the list of things people do at work, and some of them are kind of funny, uh, and some of them are not. You know, going through your personal mail. Uh, not surprising. Closed shopping. Okay, yeah. Give me a break. Um, making restaurant bookings. Yeah. Well, how long does that take? Booking a dental appointment. Instant messaging friends. Browsing Facebook. People browse Facebook at work. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's incredible. Printing off concert tickets. Booking a doctor's appointment. I like this one. Googling a medical condition you have or suspect you have. That's <laughs> just sensible. <laughs> Do it all the time. Sensible Lower back pain. Oh, my God. It's cancer. Oh, boy. Internet cancer. Using the photocopier for your own stuff. Oh, Lord. No flipping way. What? Some of you people are doing that? Boy, I don't even want to look at you.
1: Jones, you owe this company an eighth of a cent for the paper you used.
0: Paying bills, checking your bank account, doing banking online. Uh, no way. Browsing non-work-related websites. Get out! There's the door! <laughs> Number one on this list is checking the weather. <laughs> I don't uh, see. I still don't understand raining today? <laughs> it must be nice outside. I, what,
1: outside. I wonder what people who go outside are doing. <laughs> but I don't understand how making it a four day work week would help, though. Wouldn't you just screw around for four days a week instead well, of
0: five? A- actually, they don't because they uh, it, it, I assume these are the kind of jobs where you've got cl- fairly clearly defined duties and whether you got them done. Mm-hmm. That would only work in that case. Right. And uh, actually at one of these uh, companies where they tried it, the company didn't police how workers spent their time, but if performance slipped after they went to the 4-day work week, they were going to go back to the 5-day work week. Ooh. And they stayed motivated based on that. Look, you like the 4-day work week? The thing's better not start to trail off or we're going back. Right. And people stuck with it. Concept is gaining gaining ground all over the world and making inroads in some American companies many employers aren't just moving to 10-hour shifts 4 days a week like I originally thought it would be, it's just four eight-hour shifts, but people don't screw around as much. I Hmm. wonder if we've just developed over the years... More screwing around than used to exist, and now we've got a whole work day's worth of screwing around that happens, so they can eliminate a day. For well, me, well, at least that. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> we know. I don't, I don't think there's
1: any doubt we've become a more
0: self-indulgent species. Plus, it's easier to screw around with uh, computers. Oh, my goodness, yeah.
1: What were you going to do, open up a copy of Moby Dick in the office uh, earlier and start, you know, reading or...? Have a a big console television in your office and hope nobody notices?
0: Or get on the phone and have out loud conversations about your bank account or your car insurance or whatever it is you're doing online. With your big heavy AT&T phone? Yeah. Hello? Uh, Last uh, month, a Washington state senator introduced a bill in Washington to reduce the standard work week to 32 hours. Shake Shack has started testing the idea a year and a half ago. And they shortened their manager's work week to four days at some stores and found that recruitment spiked, especially among women, because people like the idea of being able to uh, take their kid to school one day a week or not having to pay for daycare one day a week or that sort of thing. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. But it really, a lot of it seems to be uh, based on the fact that we're screwing around enough that you can make this work, that the company doesn't really lose anything from you mm-hmm. and, and and you can get your work done. Yeah. yeah interesting.
1: Well, incentives and disincentives. I mean, that's that third day of the weekend, man, I'd, I'd be willing to hump it. A little bit this. harder for
0: my employee to, to get that. It's a big difference to get to a point where, because our current weekend structure, you either work yesterday or work tomorrow. And <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's Go never ahead. a decompression day in the middle. That's right. Oh, know. no, no, no. I hear that. Uh, it's uh, amazing how a three-day weekend feels yeah. so much different than a two-day work day. It's just not even close. They're different universes.
1: I'm sorry I started laughing in the midst of Sean's penetrating commentary, but you know how there are uh, uh, car chases all the time in L.A. that get constant coverage on the news? Well, there's a bear wandering around an L.A. suburb um and they have live team coverage of it as if it is a car chase and they just i keep glancing at the tv and i keep <laughs> watching this bear meander from you know the garage over to the front yard he looks around a little meanders out to the sidewalk <laughs> it's just
0: like a live U- coverage of a meandering bear like a ucla bruin or more like a uh, an actual brown bear no this is this is a bfb like a- Bear! Bear! <laughs> there's a local resident bear!
1: Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes, it's a large bear. It appears to be, uh, I don't know, good 250-pounder. I don't weigh a lot of bears,
0: but... One one more thing on this. So the researcher that's been studying this, core to this is that people are not productive for every hour, every minute of every day they're in the office. Not a surprise to anybody. But also, simply slashing the number and duration of meetings saved a huge amount of time. (laughs) So it's both ends. The employees are wasting time. But hey, bosses, you've been wasting our time with meetings that didn't need to happen or didn't need to be that long. And so I'll stop wasting my time. You start wasting my time. We'll come together and work four days a week.
1: How many, you know that's happening. How many bosses are the sort of person we all know who just likes to have the floor so much, they will just babble on and on just to keep the floor, you know, just to keep the attention on them? Oh, Captive audiences, Makes I me say. crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, please. Please, can I get back to my mindless tasks? That was
0: my favorite part of being a, uh, a teacher when I was in uh, doing the grad school thing. Captive audience. They got to sit there and listen. Oh, they got yeah. no choice. Yeah, you people are going to listen to me and listen good. <laughs>